A lot's changing around independent league baseball, and we're here to report it. So step into the batter's box, because this is the Indie Ball Report Podcast. Alright, we're back again. Another episode, Full House, you know the deal. And in this time... We weren't going to originally plan to go over everything that I talked about last time, have a nice debate about Ottawa, oh, spend yeah. that for like the first 10, 15, then talk about the vision races in both halves, yeah. talk about the all-star teams, maybe say we disagree here, these are the guys, this would have been my all-star team, yep. but instead on the 4th of July, the Atlantic League had to decide, you know what, let's add four of the stupidest rules possible oh, and let's God. see how this goes. Yep. And now everybody's going, wow, these rules are so stupid. So why don't we jump right in on that and stuff our usual, like, minute and a half long intro. Yeah, I, we got to jump right in on these rules because they're just, it's un, unfathomable. The game has been played this way for 100 plus years, and now we have this completely different way of playing the game. And in reality, it's one of the craziest things that I've ever seen happen in a professional league. I mean, you can't have a, te- a league like this partner with MLB, and then go off the rails. I mean, this isn't something that is good for the game. It's not good for um, the Atlantic League. And it's not a good look for Major League Baseball either because they're not going to be able to do this with other leagues. They're just using the Atlantic League as a guinea pig. And it's unbelievable, really. Yeah, they're turning into a test tube league, like you're saying. It's just, once we read off these rules, you're going to see what we mean. Like, they don't have a chance in hell of, I would say, even into next season because these rules are stupid. And... Yeah, and before we go on the rant, let's get the actual rules out there. Yeah, let's get them out there. The first rule, which is dumb, but maybe, pitchers will now be required to step off the rubber when attempting a pickoff. So, you essentially kill one of the two pickoff moves here. Well, you 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 effectively get rid of the pickoff, because yeah. that is the most effective pickoff yeah. move, and you've effectively gotten rid of it. So, you might as well just not allow pickoffs anymore. Like, <laughs> And even more so than just that, the only move now that they have is the... I'm watching you move, which right. basically means I know you're going to steal here, so I may just throw a pitch out here. Yeah, but I can't do anything about it because I can't use exactly. my good pickoff move. Yeah, I'm banking on my catcher being able to gun you at second, so if you know I don't got a good defensive catch here, then, you know, feel free to just walk to second base. Yeah, I mean, you could jog at this point. Hmm. This one's a fun one because, you know, as we all know, there's three strikes in baseball. Oh, God. Not anymore. One foul bunt with two strikes is permitted before a strikeout. So essentially, if you mess up three times in a row in a bunt, putting three foul, you get another attempt at. So there's four strikes now. It's unbelievable. Which, with this rule, just quick, what I don't understand is, if you're going to change the bunt rule to give them another attempt at it, why not just treat every bunt like a swing, where you can foul off as many as you want? Yeah. Like, either treat it like a swing or treat it like a bunt. Right. That's what you should do. That is, you're right. That is a correction. That is what you do. You don't change the game. There's not four strikes in baseball. Give me a break. Either you're going to play it like it's normally going to be played or make it so it's just another foul ball. Don't go this, you know, oh, this is a new way we're going to play baseball. This is crazy. This isn't actual. It's stupid. It's stupid and it's not real baseball. They're sandlot rules. any case, so then we got batters are allowed to steal first base on any pitch not caught in flight. In short, the drop third strike rule extends to the entire bat. So at any point, if a pitch is missed by the catcher, or is caught and then dropped, you can just run down the first base. When is this actually ever going to be used? This is the most egregious of all the rules, rule changes. Let me tell you why. So, if you 
or you got a guy on a an O2 count and has to drop their trick. It's one thing. It's bad enough if he gets on based on that. But if you get a wild pitch thrown to the backstop, which does happen from time to time in games, the ball goes, you know, flying out of the pitcher's hand because he's trying to do something, he's trying to get a guy to chase. It changes the way pitchers are going to pitch because they're going to have to pitch like they're in a two-strike count always. And you have to have a really good defensive catcher or the ball's going to get by. You can, you know, score, you know, a couple of runs in an inning and not have a guy do anything but, you know, run away on a wild pitch. It's unbelievable. From a batter perspective, though, why are you even going to bother running down to first? Like, how often do you see on a drop strike three does someone actually make it to first base? Unless you have a lot, unless like a Devin Torrance here who has a lot of speed, um, more often than not, you're just not going to work out. And plus with the bunt rule now, I mean, like, Christ, you might as well just try bunting your way on. <laughs> you give it three shots of the bunt, if it doesn't work out, then, you know, whatever's whatever. Right, I mean, but it, here's the, the issue is that on those, typically with three strikes, you're ready for that, right? The catcher is ready for that. Um, and the pitch is going to be something that the catcher is going to be able to get to on the backstop. Hmm. Uh, but oftentimes pitchers will try to set up hitters. They'll try to throw upstairs. They'll try to throw a little bit outside, trying to get people to chase, particularly earlier in the count. And now you're going to have pitches that, you know, typically you can't throw a ball that's way outside trying to get a guy to chase on an 0-1 count uh, because you, you have somebody who is, you know, if your catcher can't get back there fast enough, they're just going to take first base. It's unbelievable. Exactly. Uh, it's... Any case, let's move from rule four. Rule four. Rule four, which is just they're gonna enforce the check swing rule more. Let me go ahead and like give you the actual ruling right out of the book. Okay, yeah. Yeah, all these rulings reported by Mike Ashmore and his clarification that he says is directly from the rule book. Credit to him for that. Uh, in making his ruling, the base umpire should determine whether the batter's wrists rolled over during an attempt to strike at the ball, and if not, call the pitch a ball. That's, um, that's something else right there. I mean, you're, again, it's just another rule that is just changing the way that you play baseball. I mean, you're changing, wrists roll over, you know, I mean, think about it. it on 90% of the check swings, the wrists don't roll over. That's a full swing. That is a full swing if your wrists roll over. That's not a check swing, that's a full swing. Yeah, somebody who's played baseball for a long time, once your wrists roll over, you're done. <laughs> the, you, you, that's your swing. But a check swing, the rule is that you're, you know, if you go, if you break the plane of where the strike, you know, if you can make contact with the ball, then you sh it should be a strike. If your bat is out there far enough to make contact, it should be a strike. And clearly, that's not going to be the case anymore. It's like with a lot of these rules, they went like half far, which is just far enough to annoy everybody. Yep. Whereas like, if you took it further, like with the bunt call, like every pitch, if you're bound to foul, it's just a foul ball. With this one, too, if you make an attempt to swing, call it a strike then. Done. Then it's like, okay, well, then you got to be sure when you swing the bat that you want to swing at the thing. Yeah. Now, granted, I don't agree with that. I think you should be able to check swing, but in any case. Like, yeah, I agree. I, I think the check swing one, this is just stupid. I mean, I don't even understand how it helps gameplay or anything like that. Like, at least with the first one there, with stepping off the rubber, like you're not allowed to do that anymore. You took it as far as you could take it. Right. I mean, like, technically, you can still throw over, but it's you're not able to throw over. Yeah, you're not getting anybody. Exactly. So with that, I can see with the drop strike, yeah, you kind of took about as far as you could go there, too. So at least with those, you'd said, okay, we're just going to dial them up to 100 and see what happens. But with the other two, you just didn't. You're just like, yeah, 50, 60 percent's good. This should be good. Let's see what happens. And it's like, I can tell you what's going to happen. Nobody's going to be happy with this outcome. That's what's going to happen. It's, it's stupid. It's ludicrous, and it shouldn't exist. 
Yeah, I mean, it, really, it's just, it's taking the game of baseball and making it a joke. It's like, what can we do to make this more entertaining and more, uh, you know, something like you're going to find, like you said, perfect, it was a sandlot. Something you can yeah. find on a sandlot field where uh, you and your buddies are playing, not an organized game of baseball, but, yeah, no, just hanging out and, you know, trying to play a little bit of baseball on the side. I mean, it's, right. this is not real baseball. It's the kind of rules you put in where you're like, okay, these two teams are nowhere even at all, so let's put in some rules here to kind of handicap the, the really good team to make it more of a fair game. Yeah. It, that's what this feels like. And I know we talked about the business and a lot of things here, and I've kind of beaten the horse up. But with like a market like High Point, it's finally seeing their attendance start to go up since we first started talking about it. They're about 2200 right now. You you see rules like this come in, and that's just going to scare people away. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, already you have reaction from people saying, well, I guess I'm not going to many more games because it isn't real baseball. And I think just about everyone shares our view on this. I mean, I know... AOPB News, who eventually at one point we're going to get onto the show, it's more of an issue on our end, but digress there. He, his post last night summarized it pretty good too, where it's like, this is not right, these rules are stupid, yeah. because they don't make sense, and they're changing the game, which is just like, man, like, I don't get it, it's just so stupid. I don't get why Major League Baseball would try these rules. Because they can, and I mean, we already know Manfred doesn't care about the players in this league. I mean, That's true, he said the, it. <laughs> I mean, on, exactly, on the Michael K show, um, right after the deal was announced in February, he said that. It seems like one of those things where it's like, oh, well, they want their players to develop in the same system that, uh, you know, they're going to play in the major leagues. And we're definitely not going to try immediately here. And the union's going to fight like hell to stop this from happening. But right here we have, like, total autonomy here. What the hell? Why not try it? You want to know what the real shame of this is? Hmm. How successful the Atlantic League has been this year of getting guys back into the major fact, leagues. You see the, the half of the deal that has definitely benefited them. Yeah. I, I think that's something when we first start talking about, I think we may have neglected to say, but it's definitely the deal, like, speeding this along. I mean, the 13 100%. guys from Sugarland, like the 15 from Long Island, yep. just the constant in and out is definitely helping there with the numbers and whatnot. But it's just like you see stuff like this, and it's like, ah, how much longer can you keep pushing it? Right, and this this was really the, the bad side of this deal, right? You got the no. good side of this deal early in the season for the league. This is It, get, it keeps them healthy. Right, you have guys coming in and out. You're a feeder program for a lot of. Exactly, these, you're the feeder league to the right? feeder league. You're a feeder league to these minor league teams, and a lot of you know, so guys have gone on to have MLB success and um, success. You know, I pointed them out. Dante Bichette Jr. playing really well right now for the Harrisburg yeah. Senators. Plenty of guys. There's plenty of examples. Yeah. You can go on and on. Detweiler, another Detweiler, one. Yeah, yeah. back in the majors. Back in the majors. Yeah. And so you've got you know really good things coming as a part of this deal. And now you have this. And this is just, the, the initial rules were great. The initial rule changes were fine. The mound was too much and they didn't do it yet. Exactly. Like that's pushback. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Here for now, we'll be talking about that though. Going, right. This is stupid. They should continue to push it back. <laughs> exactly. And, and they might, you know, and I thought they would. I thought Major League Baseball was saying, okay, there's things we want to try, but well, let's be pragmatic and reasonable about this. Exactly. But they've thrown reason to the wind. They've just said, yeah, screw it. Let's just, let's just do what we got to do. Yeah. But like you were hitting on right there. For a minute, I was like, okay, well, you know, if we're going to do drastic changes like this, we probably should at the very least give them some more heads up about this. And so that way the pitchers, We'll kind of know and we'll have time to adjust. We'll have an off season plus the first half of a season to adjust to it and stuff like this. And then now you're dropping it there and you drop it on the 4th of July too, like oh, yeah. to try and kind of sneak it in, I think. 
it's just such a, there's so dumb rules. Like, we yeah. can continue to go into why they're dumb, but it's pretty straightforward. It just changes the game. It changes the game, and it makes it more juvenile. It makes yeah. it less about strategy and pitching and hitting, situational hitting. It makes it more about, ooh, can this guy, if the guy, if the ball gets away far enough, is the guy fast enough to get on the first base? That's not baseball. Are you kidding me? Exactly. You need, it, these rules are not designed for speeding up the game, like it was said. These right? rules are designed just for the hell of it. Or they're gimmicks. Or is it just trying to increase offense to exponential portions? Where yeah. they're trying to make every game like 14 10, 13 20, you know, just they're trying to make it into lacrosse and football scores. And that's not what baseball is. Like, is the occasional like 12 to 8 slugfest fun? Yeah. You know, I see like one or two a month. That's a fun game. Right. But you know, it's equally as fun. Like a couple days back or a week or so ago when it was Kubiak going. Like, mano a mano with the one Long Island pitcher, yeah. where it's just boom, 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 boom. A pitcher's duel can be fun. Oh, yeah. When it's just back and forth, back and forth. It's a fun game. A low-scoring game is fine. I have no problem with a 4-2 to two game. No. And you know what? Those longer games, those higher-scoring affairs, get longer and more boring. Think about that Yankees-Red Sox game in London, okay? Mm-hmm. It was like 17-13 was the final. They both scored six runs in the first inning. I was sitting there, and you're bored to tears. Yeah, there's home runs flying out everywhere, but you're just bored to tears. Okay, how how long is this going to drag on? The innings drag on forever. The first inning took an hour. It took an hour for one inning of baseball. It was like a five-hour baseball game. Exactly. Plus, it just when you have that low-scoring game, it builds up. Yep. When you get like the one run in the second, and then it's building up. Like, okay, we need to get something here. We need to get something here. And then you get the one run in the seventh yep. that tie it up. You're like, okay. Now we got something going here, and now it's just like a pressure situation there. And it's like they're trying with the rules to just increase the offense so much to make it like a basketball yeah. where there's something always happening. And it's like that's not what the game it's is. Know baseball. what the game is. If you want, like, here's the thing: if you want to make radical changes, don't manipulate the rules that already exist. Right. Make radical changes. You want to make a radical change to increase offense. Have two different tabs, like I've suggested before when we talk about the DH and I get annoyed because it's not a real position. <laughs> have a whole team of DHs. Have the nine guys you sent out the bat just hit. And then have another set that just feels like football where you have two separate halves of the ball. Yeah. I mean, Do that. That's radical. That's way different. And it ultimately changed the game extremely. But at least then it's like, okay, well, at least this half still looks the same and this half looks the same. Right. Don't change the way the game is played, for the, and just for the sake of mm. doing it. And, and like you said earlier, it's just because they can. It's no other reason than exactly we can do this to you. You signed on to this contract, and you're gonna have to do it because it's really helping you right now. And so you know what? Guess what? Have fun. I know. You know what's gonna be fun because we've known for a while that Rockland's like target date to want to move to the Atlantic League was 2020, which mm. obviously is <laughs> next year. Now, if you're Rockland. You're like, okay, we're really in a rock and a hard place here. Yeah. Excuse the pun. Yeah, right. And it's like, okay, so we could stay in the Can-Am League where we have the city pounding us because we're not really making as much money as they thought we were because we're kind of limited being in the Can-Am League. We're kind of hitting our ceiling on that. Right. So we're kind of getting our max there. So we need to move into a bigger league, which the Atlantic League is the only viable option. I mean, obviously, an American association is not going to take a team that's like a thousand miles away from any other affiliate. Yeah, no. But you look around, you're actually like, yeah, but then we're going to be part of this agreement here. We're going to have to change a lot of stuff. It's going to be a real mess of a situation here. We could scare away potential people coming to the ballpark. 
And it kind of builds, like I was saying with High Point earlier, it's like, okay, you know, this is not the game I know. I don't want to come back to this. Yeah, you know? you're 100% right on that one. I mean, not even just for, for Rockland, that's absolutely one thing. And, and mm-hmm. make them, any, you know, pragmatic yeah. uh, manager or owner, yeah. make them really think about it and go, mm, do I do I want to do that? The other thing is, if we look at it from the perspective, like you're saying, of High Point, that's really pulling out the chair from under him. I mean, it's devastating. <laughs> pulls the rocker out from underneath him. Yeah, it pulls the rocker out from underneath him. It's crazy because you've got this team that's finally starting to get some uh, not only on-field, but off-field attention, and they're getting people in the mm-hmm. stadium, this mm-hmm. beautiful new ballpark, and things are finally starting to look up, and all of a sudden, here's these just dumb rule changes, and they go, whoop, <laughs> sorry about that. Exactly. You know what would be funny? It's not really funny, but it would be uh, kind of interesting if doing these rule changes to kind of kill off, like, the major independent league, so that way they don't have any more competition for minor leagues or something like that. But it's like, that's kind of stupid. It serves... Absolutely no purpose for them to do that. If anything, the miners kind of help them more now than anything else. But even still, it's just, I don't get the point of it. Yeah, I don't get the point of these rule changes other than to do something that, you know, like you said, that maybe it's, you know, a radical change. But other than that, I really think that it's just them, Major League Baseball, being too gung-ho and seeing, oh, maybe we can see all of these different rule changes. Or like you're saying, I mean, it's going to have an impact on the amount of people who go to these Atlantic League games. I'm interested to see by how much. I think maybe not by that much. Yeah, I think um, it, I think like you're about to say, we may be overstating about how much, the, or at least I'll maybe overstating the impact, how maybe. much it may have. I, who knows, though? Like, for an establishment like a Somerset, Long Island, Sugar Land, they're, they're going to be fine. They right. survived everything. They'll survive again. Yep. It's just for the newer markets, for the weaker markets, in New Britain, uh, Southern Maryland's alright for having a garbage team, but, you know, they do alright. York's doing fine. Obviously, high points here you're looking at, but, you know, they'll, they should endure. But, it's those markets where you're more concerned, or yeah. the most concerned, rather. So, you know, it's just, I don't, like I've said, if you're gonna make a rule change, either do like little minor tweaks, like time in between inning, base size was fine, Little things like that where it's no real major impact. Because if we're being honest, the changes they made in the beginning of the year, I haven't really noticed any of them. Nope. Like, there was the one instance in the first or second game with the shift rule. But since then, that really hasn't been that big of a deal. And I haven't really noticed it that much. So, I mean, that's kind of whatever. Um, Well, because baseball was played like that before, right? Exactly. And so that, you know, the thing is that those changes have all been very tangential, like you're saying. Hmm. And these changes have not been tangential. They've just been... that These will, will drastically change the way the game is played. Exactly. And so it's just... I do want to see who prospers off of this, though. Because like, I think the Can-Am League is going to prosper a little bit from this. And you bit, may get yeah. some disgruntled customers that say, you know what, um, let me go to Rockland, let me go to Sussex, let me go to New Jersey, let me see them... Uh, you may get some disgruntled, uh, people from Sugarland that wind up going to an American Association game or something like that. But, uh, by and large, I think it's. But yeah, no, I think that there's a, a serious issue with, you know, attendance in some of these places around. No. Um, not serious, but an issue with attendance in some of these places it's around. It's raising, um, certainly. And when you go to even Sussex County, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, shout out to them. They had a really good crowd. Oh, last night they had for Fourth of July night. It was their record. record attendance. Yeah, so good for them. But good for them. Once again, it's also the fourth. It's also the fourth. Um, but 
they've they've struggled a little bit getting people in their ballpark this year. Um, mm-hmm. And so this is good for them. There's no doubt. This is good for the Can-Am League teams, particularly by us in this tri-state area here. This is going to be really good for them to be able to have, you know, oh, we'll set a Somerset. Maybe we go to Sussex County. Maybe we go to New Jersey, uh, the Jackals, rather than uh, going to Somerset and seeing this weird, wacky, put, you know, game. Yeah, maybe not, there's that. Maybe that does happen. And already, Ken M League has them beat on price point more often than that. Yeah. Except for Rockland, that's charging Atlantic League prices, which I think they're they're one of the few like Can M League teams that charges for parking. Yeah, that's true. But you know, like you pull up the attendance here, uh, like Rockland, they did about well, about forty five hundred last night. Uh, Ottawa, mm, well, then against Canada, so it's not 4th of July crowd for them. They had right. the Canada Day crowd early in the week. Yeah. But, yeah, by and large here, the teams are drawing. I mean, they're doing well. Obviously, some teams are doing better than others. Average-wise, boulders are leading the way. Yeah. Jackals are doing surprisingly good. More mm-hmm. often than not, they're at the bottom of things, so yeah. good for them. Then, if you want to look, Ottawa's in third, which is good for them, and we'll segue to their situation to kind of recap that. Yeah. Uh, I know I touched on it heavily last week, but um, Capitals, they've shot up here. Now, granted, their record hasn't done much better, but they've shot up in attendance-wise, and the minors come in just after that. It's like a 30-person difference, so it's negligible, but plays in the standings would tell you, ah, you should be higher if you're first place. Right. Uh, and then you have... Uh, Three rivers that's only at about 1300 per game, which is less than ideal. Yes, that's not, uh, not great. And, uh, you know, obviously three rivers, a little bit about how, how they're playing, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit about that, but they're not terrible. They're not mm-hmm. terrible team this year. Um, and I just think that these, these are issues that go to, you know, where the stadiums are and a little bit more. Like Sussex County is less population than there is for the Jackals. Yeah. It's a full which- this is going to be the good segue here. The people that are going on Twitter saying they should merge the Jackals and the Myers and that the Canon League's doomed and everything. It's like, no, dude, no. We've lost an Ottawa team before. Oh, we lost an Ottawa team about, what was it, about 13, 10 years ago or so? 10, 10 13, like right in there? Yeah, something like that. Exactly. Yeah, it was like the Ottawa Rapids. Yep. It's like we, they can survive it. Okay. It's not, they're not that they're doomed. Even if Rankin leaves, they're not doomed. They go to a four-team league. They're already exploring expansion, as I reported last week, as Kevin Wentz told us. They have several locations in mind. Yep. Uh, one in Canada, two in the U.S. They have three places they're talking with. You don't think they're talking to at least two to add two. Oh, 100%. They lose one, they'll test tack on another. It will be fine. I, I could see them very easily being in... Atlantic City very quickly. I could, I could, I could just see that. Atlantic City makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, before, I would have thought, oh, well, that's got to be an Atlantic League spot. It's an Atlantic League stadium. It makes a lot of sense. Being that like the one and a half years of spur- the Atlantic City surf had spent in uh, the Can-Am League, it didn't go swimmingly. But, you know, it just would have made sense. You go to the other thing here. But with the not so much the rule change, but just the agreement... I'm not sure how much of a say Major League Baseball has on that. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that would shake out there. But certainly, I don't think to go back to the original point. I don't yeah. think that the Can-Am League is oh, dead far in from the water. Doing, they're far from doing. That's just it, it's crazy talk. What that is is doomsday talk. It's the the sky is falling because one team's folding. Maybe well, they're not even know. going to. They're, like they're safe for five years. Right, they're safe for a good amount of time. Obviously, there there are particulars to that. Uh, to the way things are constructed now, and it, you know, it's it's going to be a difficult situation. Still, it's not a it's a hostile situation, and 
teams probably gonna be put up for sale. You know, yeah, all there are we've already been knowing that they're looking for a yeah. for a new owner. That's that's been since we started. We talked about that for the first time, you know, weeks ago. Exactly, ago. like our first show. I think we talked about this. If not yeah. the first, it would have been the second. Second one. Yeah. yeah. So it was very early on. We've known it's been kind of well known in Ottawa for a while. That yeah. Wolf's kind of looking to move on from them. Yeah. So I mean, it's kind of known there, and part of the struggle with attendance is they need a transit line in there. Yeah. I mean, you can't count on everybody driving into Ottawa to see a minor league baseball game all the time. It's just not realistic. Right. You're going to need more than that. And the more than that is if you have a transit line, it makes it a lot easier. But even more than that, it's, it really is a lot of just getting caught up in the hysteria. You know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very easy to say, oh, yes, we lo- we might possibly potentially lose one this team. This team's not doing as good as the other. Yeah, they're not doing as good as the other five. And it's the sky small- is falling, right? <laughs> exactly. It's a small hiccup. It's right. really what it is. Like, when you look, because uh, I'm actually Steve Ottawa, I got back to me. Thanks for getting back to me there. I Terminating the lease is almost as a good thing for them because there was no way they were going to meet the conditions of that lease. They were put over a barrel because they were fighting a double-A team to get that spot. So they didn't really get a good lease deal. They got a really bad roll of the dice there. Mm-hmm. Just certain things have changed, and you could go ahead and actually add up how much each game cost them to put on and kind of do the math from there. So if you're in Ottawa, you could kind of, you could actually do the math. <laughs> As a we fan. can't. We can't. Again, oh, I can't. Obviously, like you're saying, this is a is an interesting situation. There's a lot of particulars mm-hmm. to the actual lease deal that made it, like you said, a little bit less than uh, you know something you wanted. Exactly. And so there's a lot of particulars that make this a little bit more nuanced than oh my goodness, the Canada League is gonna you know be dispersed and the jackals and miners are gonna have to merge together. No, no, not easy. Yeah. Easy. First off, let's be, and the thing is too that. It was, we should merge the two and move them to Skylands because Skylands is nicer. Okay, now first off, I will agree, Skylands is a much nicer ballpark than Yogi Berra. More refurbished, a little bit newer. Well, they're both nicer. roughly the same time, I think, within four years of each other, but that's... Well, newer in terms of... Yeah, the world, right? yeah, it looks a lot nicer. It's a lot bigger of a stadium because it has more land. Yep. You're not in the middle of a college campus. But the major problem is you're moving away from the population. Exactly. The population is in the essex Passaic County area. That's where you have a lot of people. You can draw people in from Bergen County, from Passaic County, from all these County even. Yeah, it's a bit more, although parts of Morris are probably closer to Sussex, but in any case, the main thing is there's just a higher population there. They're probably more willing to spend money there. Plus, you're right on the college campus. So that helps you out too. College students. Exactly. It's in a good spot. It's in a very good location. Do not get me wrong. I love Skyland Stadium. I love the what it does mm-hmm. for the the economy up there in Sussex County. It's great, and it shouldn't go anywhere because it doesn't need to go anywhere because they have their own team. Exactly, and it just like if you got to that point, in push came to shove, which location are you gonna stay? The team that's had two owners in their whole history and has historically been like a pillar bedrock team for this league. Or the team that just came in about four years ago has one championship to its name, which granted was a very good run and that was a very good team, but it's been the same location as three other dead teams. Now granted, two of them are affiliated and only one was not affiliated, but the point remains, it's a dead zone. 
a lot of teams go there and die because it's in the middle of a cornfield away from people because it's in Sussex County where it's just a lower population. Right. It's simply a lower population. Yeah. There's no knock to the people there. No knock to the it's people just, there. There's no not knock as, to the team. Exactly. It's just there's not as many people there. So on any given night, it's a lot harder to get more people in there. It is. and But as as we saw over the 4th of July weekend, there's just a lot, there's a lot of people who do uh, like being there and do love the team and are very invested in it. They have great fans. Yeah, uh, but it's just there's no need for, to even have this conversation. I mean, exactly. th- th- this is it's worth, pointless. It's pointless. The, the Jackals are doing fine. The Miners are extremely successful right now, and their numbers are climbing. There's no need to, you know, chicken little the sky is falling. They're they're okay. It's gonna be okay. Exactly. It's all well and good there, and just like, I mean, if you want to tack more on to why you would pick Yogi over Sussex, just as a final wrap up here. Yeah. Getting in and out of Sussex is a lot harder because you can only take 15 in. With Yogi Berra, you can go through suburban areas. You have 46 there. 80 is not far off. It's very easy to get to. It's not hard. There's a lot of roads and whatnot. There's multiple ways in and out. So parking deck there, so there's that too. Exactly. You have a lot of parking capabilities. You got a lot more there. Well, yes, Skylines is nicer. That's about all it has. It's an aesthetically more pleasing stadium, exactly. um, and it's really, you know, it's very much evoking of that Field of Dreams-esque idea, and it's really mm. beautiful, and it's it's a great spot, and everybody should go, right? Exactly, um, definitely go and support the team. I'm not saying don't, I'm just saying, you know. Right, but, yeah. but in this, you know, unfortunate hypothetical that was thrown out there, yeah. I would say that, yeah, probably you're going to take, if, if, if you're financially that bad as a league, and you're really financially struggling, and you can only pick one of the two, you're probably going to go with the Jackals. I mean, you probably are. It just has that fan base It just has the fan base. It's in the community for so long. It it, it would be more, the fans would be more angry with you if you close, if you close either of them, it would be really bad because both of the fans right now are really passionate. But if you close the Jackals, it would be like a gut punch to the community. Because so many people have been, you know, I went there mm-hmm. as a kid, and then their kid went there as a kid. So now it's exactly. this whole limit. Well, they've been there for 21 years. Yeah. 21 beats four. Everything but golf, it beats four. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it just, it's just and a stupid econ- conversation to have. Right. It's a stupid conversation to have to put a bow on the economic benefit mm-hmm. of having, uh, being on a college campus, being near highways. It's just far greater. The economic upside for the Jackals is much greater than it is for the miners, but at the end of the day, they're both doing good. This, if the Ottawa situation gets worse, will it probably damper their expansion plans that we talked about back in March? Definitely. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, Wynn even told me so. It's, you know, it's pretty obvious. If you're going to lose a team or have a team in rough shape, it's really hard to then go ahead and say, yeah, but we're going to put another team in there. Right. Put more weight on the sinking ship, yeah. which is not the situation. The situation's fine. It's it's, just, the situation is stable for now. If it gets worse, it gets worse. But for now, the situation is stable, and if it doesn't, if it destabilizes, there's undoubtedly options that we've talked about many times, and that are clear options for them to move into. They're in discussion with three places. I mean, yeah. it's not like they're they're not. This is something they'll have to explore. And they're in discussion with three places. Exactly. And I don't want to say anything definitive or whatnot because of course, you know nothing's definitive. Then also where we're at, we don't really know one way or the other. But right. what would be far more likely than just Ottawa folding and that being it 
is someone buying Ottawa as opposed to buying the expansion team and moving the team over. That would be ten times more likely, but even then, I don't expect that to happen. No. What I fully... what To be honest here, unless the city of Ottawa wants to redevelop that land like we talked about a while back, mm-hmm. unless they want to do that, I can see them just keeping them there on the current agreement they have, making the next agreement like that, and as long as the, whoever owns the team in five years from now is cool with that, fine with that, which whether they are or are not is far more of a debatable topic because there's pros and cons to it, obviously. Right, yeah. If they're cool with that, leaving them there until the Rays move to Montreal, which is seeming like something that's going to happen, which is unfair to the Rays, but, you know, this isn't a major league show. <laughs> different discussion for a different day. Exactly. And then when the, if, if slash when they move to Montreal, them saying, oh, that's a double-A stadium right there you have. We want to put our team, our affiliate team in, Mon- in Ottawa. Oh, yeah. yeah. Put a double-A or triple-A team there, revamp the whole thing, and make it a solid thing. Right. Yeah. I think that would be the only scenario, well, not only, but one of the scenarios in which that could happen. But, like you said, unlikely, certainly at this point, that anything like that would take place. Yeah, no, I just, like I said, I just don't see that happening. No. It just doesn't make much sense to me at all. But, uh, in any case... And it's unfortunate that, that people have to immediately say, oh, it's going to end. Like, can we stop with that? You know, like, exactly. It was a short narrative. It died pretty quick. But it's just something I wanted to address because obviously it was a good discussion topic. But. Clearly. And also, it's, but it's a damaging narrative, right? It, yeah. You know, if, if sometimes these things feed back upon themselves. And exactly. if people are saying, oh, well, this is going to be the end of the, Atlant- uh, the Can-Am League, you know, it, you don't want that to happen. You don't want it to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Let's listen to what the league's saying. Let's take it, you know, exactly. one until, day at a time. Until we have sources that are contradicting themselves and are making it very clear that one side's lying about the other side and everything's not totally unclear, let's just go ahead and keep it calm. Let's go back to actually the main topic here and just quickly have your thoughts on the Ottawa thing because mine are pretty well spoken over the course of about 45 minutes. Yeah, I mean, I think the Ottawa thing, the situation there is is very difficult because you have, obviously, a team and an ownership hmm. that is not really uh, in the best shape. Yeah, right? yeah. If, you, if you don't mind me just interrupting, I can give you a second just to gather everything because I just want to update everyone on that just to make sure that they absolutely know which... I just want to give them that preface. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, so just as a kind of catch you up to this here, uh, the reason we keep talking about Ottawa is a week ago, the day, the day we're recording, uh, the city of Ottawa canceled the lease of the champions and essentially said, you're moving to an FUA, which is a facility use agreement. It changes the terms of the lease, so now they have to rent the stadium hour by hour. They lose the preferential treatment they had in regards to maintenance. Uh, they lose certain other preferential things. Uh, long and short, though, is it's just not a concrete lease. It's now they're renting the stadium, which once you see the actual price per hour, it's fairly cheap to rent that stadium. Like, you could rent it for a solid afternoon for 500 bucks. But in any case, it's not related here. Uh, <laughs> so that's basically what happened. They just got downgraded to an, to an FUA. They're trying to find a buyer for the team, and then we'll go from there. But as of right now, the team is in place still. The reason we keep tossing around the five-year number is because the original lease that was terminated was for five years. However, now that's been transferred to the FAU, which is supposedly for five years. And what I got from the city of Ottawa this week was just the whole financial statement, the backing, and the basic report of what happened during the council meeting, which basically just put down the numbers. And it is clear they were, in fact, losing money. 
That much is pretty yeah. straightforward. So mm-hmm. Miles Wolf is losing his line is a letter of credit, which is for about a hundred thousand, a little bit more. And so he's going to lose that. And he's going to have to make uh, two hundred thousand dollars worth of payments. So through a payment plan, and up till the end of September, and then the remaining money will be paid off and an orderly fashion until 2023, the end of 2023, which is four years, but for practical purposes, it's five. And so for, you know, as I was saying, it's a, obviously the ownership situation kind of does lead to this, right? So you've had an unstable ownership situation there um, with Wolf wanting to get out, obviously financially not being in the best shape, mm. uh, hemorrhaging money a little bit. And so what this does to me after, you know, immediately my reaction was, oh, this is very bad. Right, and everybody's reaction was, "Oh, this is very bad." But after taking a look at the particulars, um, reading your thing on it, um, and kind of going more into what the league has said, uh, obviously what the uh, the city of Ottawa has said, hearing that, I, I think this is a good thing. This has been a good thing for Ottawa. I think Ottawa would have been in a very bad way. <laughs> um, they would have been in a very bad path without this. Yeah, no, they would have had very difficult time meeting the terms of that lease agreement. Yeah. Like, they, they really, I can't understate how much of a bad deal that was. It was a really bad deal, but it was either at the team in Ottawa in a nice stadium that was meant for affiliated ball and housed affiliated ball, or don't. Right, and and, and obviously that kind of a, a lease agreement is difficult. And so to have this in place now, this new type of deal where they're renting the stadium, it seems to be better financially for the team and actually leads to the possibility of a more long-term viability for the team if you want to actually talk about this. I mean, the way that the city seems to be framing it, correct me if I'm wrong, but the way they seem to be framing it is this is helping them financially Mm -hmm. and without it, they probably would have had to fold and therefore we're keeping this team in the city for the next five years at the least. That's not very far off from it from the sense I got. It was one of those where they're just not meeting the terms. They're owing money. So it's one of those where it's like, we're going to terminate the lease. We're going to take away a lot of this. We're going to try and fill other events in there. So that way we, the city of Ottawa, can put other stuff in there to try and recoup money on this thing, which is, you know, not great. Uh, the mayor said in other statements publicly that, you know, he doesn't just want to get rid of the stadium, get rid of the team because they have 17 million invested in the stadium. You want to try and make some money here. But uh, the general consensus is from the council, the mayor, and everything I'm gathering here is uh, don't dig yourself any deeper. You know, you have to start turning around and making money back off of this thing here. Uh, because your job is not the baseball team first, it's a city official, it is to the people of Ottawa. Right. And so if your job is to the people of Ottawa, then, you know, if the stadium's hemorrhaging money and losing, you know, hundreds of thousands a year, then you can't justifiably say, okay, this is fine. Well, here's my issue, though, with the, the city of Ottawa's view on this, is that you knew this team was not going to make money. I mean, let's be honest. These type of teams do not make a lot of money. They don't. And it's just because of the operating costs are so high, and they have to really pull this in, and they have to make, uh, you know, a, they have to purchase a lot of for uniforms and, and different things, and it's very difficult to get everything running 
uh, in the right direction. And even for Ottawa to the city of Ottawa, it seems a little bit, you know, tongue in cheek to say, oh, well, they, sh- they should be making money. Well, clearly, you know, they weren't going to make money. I mean, even the best teams in, you know, I don't even know if Somerset makes money. You know? No, Somerset definitely makes money. I Somerset, Long Island definitely makes money. I mean, right. but, but uh, in the Can-Am league-wise, I'm... Rockland's in a hard spot because they don't make as much as they should be. Sussex is probably still, they probably make some. I'm not sure how much they are. Right. Like, again, this is speculation because we don't know. And we I don't kinda, know. Yeah. yeah, and I want to move on to baseball talk fairly soon after we wrap this up real quick. Right. But Jackals maybe make money. Uh, Quebec probably makes money. Three Rivers, I'm not sure. Uh, but kind of just wrapping up here because I had the same view of it last week and I still agree with that view, but just as like a kind of pushback point on it. At the same time, you entered into an agreement. Right. If you didn't think you could meet the terms of those agreement of that agreement, then you shouldn't have entered into those terms. So, for that sense, I see why they could be a bit PO'd at them. Like, yo, you signed this agreement. This is what you signed. This is as good as your word right now. So, we kind of need you to start meeting that, like, now. And, and now that it's been terminated, you know, you get a fresh start. And I think that's good. Exactly. I think it's, I think if this agreement wasn't terminated, that would be a lot worse for Ottawa. We'd see problems in the near future is what we'd see. And so yeah. this is, gives them a little bit more time, like you said, a little bit more cushion, but don't dig yourselves any deeper. Exactly. Um, and I think that with a good, if he sells the team to a really good ownership group, then that can be met and maybe the team can be salvaged in Ottawa. If not, you might have some troubles exactly. down the road. Exactly. I still think we're fine. I think this is not an issue that we, unless something major happens that we need to talk about again until the end of the year, we'll beginning of next year. And it's something you'll monitor, that we'll monitor. And, uh, you know, it's just something we're going to have to watch out for going forward. Yep. So, uh, in any case, let's kind of talk about actual baseball now that we're 40 minutes in here. I'm sure people <laughs> want to actually hear about baseball instead of making an off-season show here. But uh, we'll make it a big show. Yeah. In any case, so let's talk about the uh, all-star teams here. We had the Atlantic Leagues that were just announced today. One of my hot takes is correct. There is no Giansanti here. <laughs> and my other hot take that I made in the middle of the season saying, I guarantee you Giansanti won't be batting a certain thing, also looks like it's on a hot pace. Okay. I'll have to revisit that for next week, which is the date of the show. We said, yeah, we'll come back on this date here when we record and we'll see if he's batting this. And I was very confident the fact he won't be. And currently batting in the 220s, I'm feeling very confident about that. Our Giancanti watch is not going well for me. Uh, obviously, Anthony Giancanti, for those of you who aren't uh, regular listeners, is one of my favorite players uh, in the Atlantic League and the captain of the Sugarland Skeeters and a really good guy, really good player. Um, but obviously, he's had some injury history, and so we had a little fun uh, having a little debate on him uh, earlier in one of the shows. And, uh, you know, I mean, we made, we both made some hot takes. Mine seems to be a little hotter at the moment. Uh, <laughs> he's getting up a little bit in here, but. Uh, 228. He's batting 228. Yeah, it's, not great. it's not great for me right now. There is no way in hell he'll get to 270. No. I think it was 260, though, and it's even doubtful. Yeah. But, hey, Anthony, if you could pick it up just a little bit, at least help me save some faith. But, yeah, no, I will con- certainly concede that he has not been uh, clearly what he was yeah. last year. But. Which, let me just say, I'm not that I'm happy that he's not doing bad. It's just me proving my point of, you should have taken him out of the damn lineup, Sugarland, with your one-game lead on York now. Well, yeah, I mean, now I have no argument, right? <laughs> because I've been tabled. Because yeah. 
you know, Sugarland decided, and, and you can't put it all on. Oh, him. I'm not putting it all on him. When you go on an eight game or nine game losing streak, and then just kind of forget how to play baseball yeah. for like three weeks since like the mid, uh, since I believe it was like June 9th, they've won very few games, like nine games. And they've lost like 14. It's something crazy like that. And yeah, meanwhile, York's done the opposite of that. Yeah. Remembering <laughs> how to play baseball, their bullpen's like, oh, wait, we're not supposed to give up runs. Yeah. Oh, wow, this actually works better. <laughs> that's yeah. what they're doing right now. You're right. York has been very good. Uh, Sugarland's been very bad. Okay. That's it. I mean, and it comes down to pitching. I mean, Sugarland, they struggled early on in the season starting pitching bullpen. Okay. And their bullpen's just, oh, just, oh God. Exactly. Oh. It's something that we talked about in the beginning of the season. We were like, you know what? These stars could be a problem, and it was the kind of sense of, oh well, it's early in the year. Let's take let's take a wait and see. And if it's still a problem, then you know we'll address it then. Then of course they had a good like five six weeks, and then you know we were like, oh okay, I guess it's soft now. It's all well and good, and then it went to hell. Yeah, this team's in trouble. This team is in trouble. Even first half of the season, forget it. Second half of the season, even more trouble. I mean, this team could be in trouble long term. Exactly. But, anyways, let's get to All-Star talk before we talk about the divisional races, which will be fun. <laughs> Alright, so All-Star-wise here, original plan was I can say, okay, we'll look at this and see who you agree and disagree with and who you would replace them with here, but let's just kind of go with an agree-disagree type thing here. Okay. And if you do have an idea for a replacement guy, just, just state him. So we're going to start with the Freedom Division, which of course is York, Lancaster, Southern Maryland, and our favorite of Sugarland. So, for the pitching staff, we got Mitch Atkins, York Revolution, Cody Effley, Lancaster Barnstormers, Matt Latos, Southern Maryland, Matt Latos, Jameson McGrath, which will also be from York, Kevin Munson, also Southern Maryland, okay, Pimentel, uh, he's of Sugarland. Finally, Sugarland has one on the board, Craig Stem of Southern Maryland. Highly underrated at this point. Glad to see he got his due. Yeah. Daryl Thompson had a couple of rough starts lately, but was very good in the beginning part of the year. We have Matt West of Sugarland. So Sugarland has two pitchers. What do we think of the pitching staff? Uh, you know, it's good. It's, it's a good staff. I don't know about having the Sugarland uh, guys on there right now. I mean, I have to look up. Uh, he's a reliever from. I think he's their uh, proto closer. Right. So I mean, he's all right. So fine. But you know, I mean, I, I'm not sure on a lot of these guys. I'm perfect on them, but I love them, but a lot of them are doing very well. Yeah, so Pimentel's I, been very good, too. Pimentel's been yeah. very good, yeah. Uh, but Atkins has been really good. Uh, Epley has been fantastic. I really like that pick. Uh, Latos is surprising. Obviously, he's been he's been very good, but, yeah. you know... He's he, stepped it up lately, so, I mean, like, I can't I can't have any problems with that. That could also be kind of a, yeah. a name recognition thing there, though, too. Yeah, possibly. Uh, Von Schulman, I would have thought, would have gone in there from, yeah. uh, from York, too. Uh, Kelly had a case, but he's had a couple of blow-up days over in uh, Southern Maryland land. Lancaster, though, I think the one omission, omission rather, I would have liked to see in there, and maybe taken out Kevin Munson, is put in uh, Davies from Lancaster. Oh, yeah. Davies has been playing very well, or him or Buddy Bauman. Bauman, of course, has had a couple of small issues here, but Davies has, by and large, been pretty good. Davies has been very solid, yeah. And so I would have thought about him, but overall, I agree with most of that. I agree with most of that as well. Uh, I think there's a couple of guys you could think about. Maybe Munson. Uh, yeah, Munson's, Munson's the one guy there. Pimentel. He, well, he's been good in when he's come in. I don't think he's been pitching for that long for them. Right. Not a whole ton of innings, so it's hard to... Yeah, that. And Jameson McGrath's also been interesting. Uh, York bullpen guy. Uh, I wouldn't have thought 
to see him there, but I mean, he, he's been pitching good lately, so I mean, you get hot at the right time, you know. Exactly, it's not as long of a season, so I mean, hot streaks mean more. Yep. And I guess let's move to the catchers now. We got Anderson De La Rosa from Lancaster and James Skelton from York. I agree with both of them. Yeah, you have no argument yep. for me on that one. That's those are two really good picks. Exactly, De La Rosa surprised me this year. Obviously, when I reviewed Lancaster, I didn't think he was going to be the premier guy. Yeah. I didn't think he'd have the offense, but he's proven me wrong so far there. Uh, infielders, we got Ryan Dent from York, Dan Gamash from Lancaster, Tobin York from York, and, or Tobin Nash from York, my mistake. And Juan Silvario from Sugarland. Agreed with most, if not all, there. I like them all. Uh, Gamash has play, played very well. Nash has been one of the few, like, bright spots throughout the whole year for York, not just now in their hot stretch. So I, I like that. Dent's a little iffy, but I can, I'm fine with that. Uh, and once of has been like the lone source of offense for Sugarland from day one on. So, I mean, I, he's played every day. He's done well in every game. I can't complain. Yeah, I, I have no complaints with this list. Obviously, I would love to have seen Dean Santi on there for my own Selfish reasons, but he does not deserve it. These guys are way more deserving. Um, Nash has, had, like you said, had a very good year from the beginning on. Yep. And uh, same thing with uh, Silver Silverio um, has been very good as well. Yep. Uh, also, Gene Santi, he was also listed under Utility Man as well, too. So we'll get to him in a minute <laughs> if he's there, which he's not. But anyway, so let's, let's look at the outfield. We got from York, Henry Castillo, Wellington Dotel. Isaiah Tejada. Then we also have from Lancaster, Caleb Grindle, or Grindle, Gindle, however you pronounce his name, Corey Vaughn from Southern Maryland, and Jared Mitchell from Sugarland. Again, don't have many objections here. I like Tejada there. I like Mitchell there. Vaughn's good. I wanted to see Silva in there. I would have swapped Silva in there for either Castile, Dotel, or Caleb there. Yeah, I think only two of them should have made it. I'm not sure which two. But, uh, Sylvie's been good this year. He's played very good. I expected to see an all-star out of him, but I guess he just fell short. Yeah, I agree. I think that Sylvie's one that you definitely could have put in there. Uh, Vaughn, I'm a little perplexed on. He's had a good year, but not a great year. I mean, Vaughn's been their second best bat. He has, but I mean, not for a very poor Southern Maryland team. <laughs> yeah, but still, I mean, I think he deserves recognition for it. Certainly, but he, I, I, you know, he's been good, but not, not, not a guy I would put in an all-star category, but certainly maybe my idea is a little too high there. Um, Dotel's an interesting one as well. Uh, didn't expect to see him on there. Yeah, Dotel's been fairly quiet, I think, right? Yeah, he hasn't been yeah. great. Uh, I could look up his numbers in a little bit, but he hasn't been... Uh, at my last mm. look, he wasn't exactly tearing the cover off the ball, so that was uh, interesting selection there as well um but you know other than that i mean i'm, I'm okay with this this list it's not uh it's not bad it's not egregious there's nobody yep. terribly missing um yep. uh, but silva's the one guy who you could certainly make an argument for yep uh then we got for dh and our utility man joe turtislavit from uh lancaster oh yeah he he's, he, he deserves he, the, he deserves it yeah uh and then charlie valario from southern maryland this one i got a problem with i don't think it should have been him I feel like uh, with York there, you could have put Nash into that spot, and then you could free up another spot. I would have put one of them in there. Yeah, I would have just had that, and I then agree. put Silva back in there, or put Silva in the utility spot, even though he's not really a utility guy, but, you know. I, I think the the fact that 
he's an actual utility guy. Makes him, you know. Well, he's more of a catcher than anything. He's more of a catcher. We kind of a. Uh, he was less than a catcher for the most part. It's just like I played a couple positions, and that you know, I mean, he hasn't been. You're right. I, I don't know if I'm, he's an all star. Charlie Valario does not scream an all star to me. He, maybe I'm missing something number wise. Like, yeah, okay, you did pick up it up, pick it up, batting a little bit. He's in the two eighties now, so maybe I'm wrong on this, but like. Then put him in at the catcher spot. Move Skelton. Like there seems to be better uses. It's, it's not. It's yeah. so much just that uh, it's Valario's fault, but it's it's simply uh, you know more of there's better uses for that utility position than him. It's just like I mean, like I'm trying to see like what exactly utility wise he's done. He's been a first baseman and a catcher, but his first base experience consists of one game. Yeah, that's bad. That's not a utility man. That's not a utility guy. He's a catcher. Yeah, he's a catcher. He's a catcher. He may have been one of the lead. He may have been the most leading vote getter that did not uh, get in in that position. So you put him there, but he's not a utility man. I'm yeah, sorry. I, I agree. Uh, um, yeah, that one's a little perplexing. I mean, obviously good numbers, but just not a guy who should be should be there. Yeah, I mean, and certainly not a utility. Like if you're going to put him there as a catcher, I don't have an issue. But don't put him in as a as a utility guy, because he's not. I mean, that's not fair. Exactly. So, Atlantic League to the Liberty Division right there. There we go. Yep. It's been one of those days. Any case, let's take a look at the pitchers here. Uh, you're going to see several teams here just repeatedly popping up, and some teams never showing up. Uh, bullpen or pitcher-wise, Mike Antonini, Somerset, Devin Burke, New Britain, Ryan Clark, High Point, underrated guy, very good bullpen on him this year. Yep. Glad to see him getting that. Uh, Jim Fuller, New Britain, another guy, underrated, but getting recognition. Joe Iorio, another good guy. I liked him. Yeah, there, he's there. Been very good. Yep. Uh, David Kubiak. Oh, come on now. Yeah, after Summer said he should not even be in this game because he should be playing up. But he should be in the major league, right? <laughs> exactly. That's where he should be. But he ain't. Uh, Jim Puglisi, uh, also Somerset. Rob Rogers for Long Island. Okay. Uh, Sam Reunion. Uh, he's a starter for them. Not a bad player. It doesn't go very far, whatever there. Uh, Asher Tulliver, uh, bullpen arm for High Point, uh, also reunion, so High Point guy. Uh, Tulliver's not bad. And Joe Van Meter, another underrated arm in, in this league. I really am a big Joe Van Meter fan. Uh, I'm very happy with all that. Uh, yeah. There's nobody I think was really a glaring omission. No, nobody was a really glaring omission. And, you know, you see, uh, they even were able to get a couple of new Britain guys in there, which was uh, pretty impressive considering mm-hmm. they've been. Uh, the best pitching team. Exactly. Uh, yep. <laughs> and so good for them. Good on them for doing that. And High Point's pitched very well, so it makes sense that they've got three guys in there. Um, and also, same thing from uh, Somerset and uh, and Long Island. They've got a couple guys who've been very good in there as well. I mean, obviously the easy one is Kubiak. I mean, he's just been... I mean, he's, he's probably going to start. Right. I mean, I'd expect. I would expect as well. I mean, he's been fantastic. He's been the pitcher of the year so far. Yeah. And that doesn't look like he's going to change. Like, I think he had one, maybe two rough starts recently, but I mean, I mean a happens. rough start for him really isn't a rough start. <laughs> right, a rough start is, what, two, three year runs there? <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, like, that's... And uh, so, but yeah, no, and, and I agree with the the Fuller analysis. He's been good. Jim Fuller has been very good uh, this year as well. So, yeah, no, I don't have any issues with this. I think this is a good... I think they really got it right on uh, the pitchers. Oh. All right, so we'll move to the catchers now. Um, Mike Ullman for uh, Somerset. And this is going to be your controversial one. Logan Moore of New Britain. Logan Moore, obviously not batting 200 at the moment. Yeah, I mean, you can't do that. I would assume it was supposed to be Long Island's catcher in Sanchez, Hector Sanchez. And he got hurt. And he's hurt, so that's why, because he's the only guy that played enough games. 
I, I got an idea. Quick, someone trade for Charlie Valario. Yeah. <laughs> someone trade for Valario real quick. Real quick. And then you could train him back after the All-Star game. Exactly. Let's get him over on the Liberty side of things here. But, you yeah, know, I feel like you could have won with someone else. You could have won with somebody else. Like, I mean, five point doesn't have a catcher? Like, you should have won with somebody else. Because you can't have a guy who's hitting, I don't know, what it, what is it? It's one, is it 190-something at least? I don't want to say it was like the 180s, but I got to look at that real quick. Yeah, I mean... I just have to check that real quick. Uh, but, you yeah, know, overall, I mean, like, I, he has not played very well. Yeah, New Britain, do, 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 our magic number is 163. Oh, goodness. I mean, you can't. 163 on base percent, or OPS, rather, because that's the better one. Of, okay. uh, What's his batting average? That was the 163. That's yeah, yeah, his OPS is 530, which is not very good that's at all. Good. That is um, yeah, no, he needs just... Like, he's played enough games to but more out of necessity than anything else. That's ridiculous. You Three home runs, 25 rippies. Oh, you can't, you gotta, I mean, you can't have that guy, you can't have a guy hitting 163 in the All-Star game. That's, that's a joke. Yeah. That is a joke. That's a problem. Yeah, you could go, technically, Miles Schroeder's played 26 games at catcher. You could have ran him out there for that. What's his stats? Uh, Miles Schroeder, uh, he is batting 271. Oh come on! You gotta be kidding! You gotta be! You gotta over a hundred points higher. You gotta run him out. You gotta be kidding me! That's Five home runs, twenty-seven for traditional stat-wise, and then his he's got he's got more home runs than RBI. Seven forty-one for his OPS. Oh, you gotta be kidding me! You have to be kidding me! Significantly better player should have been Schroeder. That's a joke. It should have been Miles, but what did, what did they do? They, what, what did Logan Moore pay somebody off? I mean, you gotta be kidding me here. Uh, Logan Moore is called New Britain needs another rep. Throw him in. You gotta be kidding me. Yeah. Eddie Kiss. Let's move on to the infielders now. I don't want to. <laughs> Too bad. Will Kanger of Somerset and Alfredo Rodriguez of Somerset from Long Island. Uh, LJ Mazzilli and David Washington. And then Tyler Landor from High Point. Again, I'm cool with all of it. Yeah, I don't have any problems. Like, everyone in there is deserving. Washington's a home run king at the moment. Alfredo's a, just an awesome utility guy. Yeah. LJ's been dominant at second base. Kangor hasn't slowed down at all. I agree with all of it. Yeah, I agree. Infielders, I agree. Yep. Uh, outfielders, Breland Almondova, who started off in Sussex last year, but then he came over this year with Keith. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a high point guy. He's in there. Stephen Cardulo, also another high point guy. Raymond Flores, and J- and Justin Patricoli, Somerset, and then Kirk Newenheis from Long Island, agreeing with all of them. Oh, 100% agreeing with all of them. Want to highlight Newenheis and Flores for Newenheis? Coming into a, a, you know, coming into this season could have been a little bit of a down year. Obviously, Den Decker didn't really work out. Uh, so seeing right. New and Heist, <laughs> seeing New and Heist work out was great. And, yeah. And it was really awesome. And, uh, I'm glad for him that he's on this all-star team. Really, obviously, he had a really good career, um, with the Mets. And so to kind of see him come over here and, and play well is really something nice to see. And Flores has just been fantastic. Yeah. Flores has been pretty damn good too. First pitch to, to now. Yep. Almondova, too, has been a very big surprise. I really am happy for that, too. Uh, and it shows that uh, I threw Jamie Keith out there. As, I'm giving him credit for everything. Uh, I gave him credit uh, last week as, as, as Sugarlands, two weeks ago, as Sugarlands, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sugarlands GM. Obviously, he's high points, um, but he's done a fantastic job. And it shows that his method has worked. Um, and Very well so and, far. And very well so far. And that bringing over guys from the Can-Am League has worked. So that should give Can-Am League fans... Yeah, look, you've got good players in there as well. Of course. Of course. So then we have, uh, for our DH and utility, Jonathan Galvez from New, uh, from New Britain. He's for DH. And then 
uh, Dolbinson Rom- uh, Romero from Long Island. I believe he started the season in New Britain. That was Long Island after a trade. But uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm okay with it. Uh, maybe utility could have been a bit better. I don't remember exactly who was listed in that category. I believe I voted a hype on guy in, but I don't recall. Utility's tough. It's hard to to gauge who's in the category. Who is. I'll give it to Romero. Um, has had a good year. Um, obviously, I've, I haven't looked up the numbers in a bit, but it, at my last look, he was in pretty good shape. And uh, Galvez is you know, the perfect fit there. I mean, he's one of the few guys in New Britain that has really hit the ball well all year. So. Yep, exactly. I agree with that entirely there. So let's go ahead and just kind of cover the division race and ALPB. We're running along here. So so we have currently still a little bit of a dogfight in the Liberty Division, although Long Island seems to be waddling away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have High Point that's falling out of it. They're still technically alive mathematically, at least at this time, but they're fading quick. I think they're a Long Island or a Somerset went away from putting them down, yeah. uh, especially being that Somerset goes now to high point, so that will really just put them down. Right. Uh, I believe Southern or Long Island has a bit of an easier stretch. They have some easy games here. Uh, in any case, York, though, is really the more fun one to watch. Oh, the yeah. other half there, it's, I'm pretty convinced it's Long Island. You, you, can, how, how big is that lead? Is it, what is it, game? Two and a half. Two and a half. Two and a half in Liberty Division there. Yeah, so, so that, that, one's, that one's pretty much wrapped up. Yeah, it's going to take a little bit of elbow grease there to change anything there, so... Somerset's going to have to work hard in the second half to rebound from there. Mm-hmm. But uh, over the other half there, oh boy, Sugarland. Oh, it's so much fun because you oh. blow away. You had it. You had it going away. York was multiple, double digits under oh, 500. God. You had them dead to right. They were in last place at one point this season with Southern Maryland beating on them. Yep. And it looked like, oh, well, I guess it's going to be Lancaster. And you know what? Everything went down because York figured out their bullpen. Then they were like, oh, wow, we can get hits and have since then, in their little bit of a tangent sense, had three games where they've had over 20 hits. Yep. And it's not like they're like a Somerset type team where it's going to be, oh, we're going to play old school. We're going to be small ball. We're going to do this, which I mean, mm, if it's working for Somerset, I mean, yeah. it's working because they have a couple of guys that make it really work. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, it doesn't work out great for them because they don't score a lot of runs, which, you know, has put them in the position they're in now. Yep. But, York has that small ball thing. Yeah. Like, I, we're just going to keep bombing things over the wall, you know? York has been good. York has been has been really good in this stretch, and I was wrong about York. Yeah, we've both been wrong about York. You're like, oh, they're dead right. They're, yeah. they're a trash team. They're probably worse than Southern Maryland. And well, now it's... But I will give myself a, a touch of a pat on the back. I have said from the beginning that that team is, is, a, is a resilient team. And it's been a fighting team um, from the first week to now, um, and it's a team that doesn't lay down in games, and it doesn't lay down, and it beats weird teams. Uh, yeah, and, like they were beating up on Sugarland since, and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, and so I think, you know, Sugarland, though, it, this is more of, it's less than, I mean, it's a great story, York really figuring it out and making it close, but it's more of a complete Sugarland meltdown. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it'd be one thing. If the team was like, oh, yeah, no, we're fighting back here, we're back, we're above 500, and there are multiple games, but even if they're like five above 500, yep. it'd be one thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it's not. They're still mm-hmm. under 500. York's like a game above 500. Like, it's not good. These are not good. It's just a matter of who is going to drown in the mud and yeah. who's not. I'm convinced now, thoroughly, we were totally wrong about Sugarland. I think we both can admit that at this I, point. Totally wrong. So, at this stage, I'm just thinking, okay, let's see here. 
Who's going to get the right to knock the hell out of Sugarland? What team's going to do it? Because we know Long Island's going to be in. We assume that it's going to be like High Point and I would assume uh, Somerset with your two wild cards or one winning the division, the other getting a wild card. Right. I assume, I don't know who's going to win this division. I feel like if Sugarland wins it, I still like them enough in the second half where I think the same thing's going to happen. It's going to be close. They're going to get by by the seat of their pants because it's York. Yep. And again, just because they've had a, like a really hot month, I'm not totally sold on them. I'm a lot more sold and a lot closer to saying they're going to win this division. They because might. I'm convinced right now they're going to win the first half. I think they might win the first half, yeah. If they do that, then, yeah, then high point, congratulations. You get to beat up on uh, York. Yeah. You're a win away. Congrats. It's just like, man, it's... Like, these teams should be better than they really are. They should be. And they're just not. Well, they lost a lot of guys. I mean, to be fair, they did lose a lot of guys. I mean, they did lose a lot of guys, but even still, like, even with when they had the guys, like. I tell you what, though, when one of the big things that didn't pan out was um, that loaning signing, I I think. Oh, yeah, when you retired like a month in, like, that was really not great. That was not great because he. Plus Mark Lowe, too. Mark Lowe, too. They were, you know, for Loney, big power back. Could have been a big power bat in our lineup, and they've struggled offensively. And he just mm-hmm. could have been a big run producer. Santi totally yep. regressing. Yeah, that's been another one. Been a big problem. I mean, also, if you just want to look at their both, like the way they pitch lately, it's just not it's been atrocious. good. They, it's just it's it, they've reverted back to the way they were in the first place. They, they can't close out games. They'll have a lead and then yep. they'll lose it. They they're doing nothing right. No. And when you do nothing right, you don't win you're not going to win. Yep. So, I mean, I have very little sympathy on their end. I agree. They made their own bid. Now they got a lie in it. Yep. And they're going to try stop. to fight their way to... Exactly. This. And I, I want to see York... Because York, once again, they're hitting the ball good. They're pitching good right now. I'm not totally sold on it because I assume that some of these guys are going to get poached. Yeah. Or Sugarland's going to make some sort of a move. Like, you can't just not do anything. Plus, as you start to get into the, to the summer here, I imagine some guys that aren't signed by major league teams that we're kind of expecting to at least get an affiliated contract now, they're going to start to admit, okay, well, now I got it. If they're holding out stuff, which at this point, if you're holding out into July, you probably should have signed somewhere by now. But, yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. I just think that it's been a, it's been a mess. And, uh, you know, Sugarland, if they figure it out and they wind up winning, good for them, but they're not going to be the team, unfortunately. It doesn't look like. Exactly. It's a terrible division there. The, really, the look should be over onto the Liberty side as to who's going to win that second half. Probably. You might have Somerset eke it out, but like you said, Long Island has been quite good. So, I mean, the question right. is... Who, who's the second the half. Yeah. Exactly. It's the second half there, and who's going to be the wild card team? Yeah. I mean, if Assuming you, there's going to be a wild card team. If High Point gets in as the wild card, watch out. High Point could do some damage. Damage. It also depends where what side of the board they get placed. Okay. I would imagine they would go on to the side that had the repeat winner. Right. Which... York could repeat win. However, I could see York doing the same thing that Sugarland's doing now, where they get really hot, they build a big lead for and the then, second half, and then yep, make and, a and Sugarland figures it out a little bit. You know, some guys start producing a little bit more exactly. energy and something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Him, uh, Jared Mitchell steps up. Yeah, I believe it's Jabari Henry. Mm-hmm. If he comes back and starts doing some something meaningful, then that could be something there too. But Nothing's going right for them right now. They need to figure that out. I think the all-star break for them can't come soon enough. Oh, yeah. Win, lose, or draw. Yeah, I mean, so. win, lose, or draw, you're right. They need to take some time. They need to regroup. 
and they need to get, you know, guys healthy, and they need to get guys on the same page and playing good baseball. Yeah, I think that's a good place to end it here. Not a lot of Can-Am League talk in this episode, but look over to the YouTube channel. We'll probably do a whole thing on that some point recently. Probably not out on Saturday, but during the week. We'll get it out. Talk about the all- we'll do an all-star preview there, and we'll do a whole bunch more. Look for a lot of content there, because there's also going to be an auto video coming soon for that Ooh. as well, to recap that whole situation. But in any case, let's plug and leave, because now we've been going on for like an hour plus. Emphasis on the plus. Um, <laughs> You can find us on Twitter at IndieBallPod. You can find us on Instagram at IndieBallReport, on Spotify, Podomatic, TuneIn, Stitcher, and iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Both are the same, so whichever there. Find us there. Like, rate, review, subscribe. You know the deal there. Uh, that's about everywhere we're at. YouTube is IndieBallReport. Type in the search bar. We'll come up. Once we get to 300 subscribers on that, we can actually change the URL so that way you could just type in, like, youtube.com slash IndieBallReport and you'll get us, so help us get to that goal. And if you want to find extra content, articles, and the like, or just have all of our content in one unique location, go right to our website, www.indieballreport.com for all of that. And unless you have anything else to add, then we will see you next time. But until then, don't forget to play ball.